Good morning. <clears throat> it's wonderful to see everyone, everyone here. We want to thank everyone for being here this morning. I'd like to echo what Nathan said. If, if you are visiting with us, we want to thank you so much for being here. You have blessed us with, with your presence here this morning. We hope that, that you find yourself comfortable here in the services and that we also find yourself edified and benefited by the, uh, the study of this morning, uh, that you find yourself uplifted and you are find yourself benefited in your Christian life and your Christian walk with God this morning. That every time we get the opportunity to open God's word is a blessing to us and it's a wonderful opportunity for us to be here together. It's wonderful for us to be here together in this place, that we have this time that we can come away from the world, that we can come away from the focuses of the world, those things that draw our attention away from God. And this morning we can draw our attention towards God and we can focus on him and focus on his son, Jesus Christ, and the things that they do for us, the things that they have done for us. It's a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful time for us to study. It's been a wonderful singing. The singing this morning has been uplifting, and I hope it has encouraged you as it has encouraged me this morning. This morning, I hope that everybody is ready for another attitude adjustment. And as I, have the, and as I said the last time, I want to make sure and tell the younger kids, it's not the attitude adjustment that you might get at home. That there are many times that when I was younger that my dad gave me an attitude adjustment, and it's not quite like that this morning. An attitude adjustment is something that I want us to look at a relationship of ours and see if we can adjust our attitude towards that relationship, that we can have a better relationship with that person or with that group of people that we are, are, are going to be talking about this morning. There's an attitude adjustment on our relationships. You know, we have, we have relationships here on, on this earth. We have people that we see for, uh, from time to time, people that we see daily, like our family members. And I want us to try to have an attitude adjustment towards those relationships so we can possibly improve those relationships so we can understand how we should act and how we should better act. As, as, as I always say about myself, there's always room for improvement. And I hope that as we look at these things, as we look at the scripture, we can see that we all have an improvement that we can make in our lives towards these relationships. Our relationships with our attitude towards God and Jesus, and Jesus Christ. If, if you recall, I said the last time I spoke on Sunday morning, it's like a three-part lesson on these attitude adjustments. The first part was our attitude towards God and Jesus Christ. If you recall, in that lesson, the last time that I had the opportunity to speak, it was a slave-master relationship. How we talked about that we have a relationship with God and his son Jesus Christ as like a master and slave relationship, just not a servant. That I hope that helps us put our attitude right when we think about our attitude towards God. That it is a slave and master relationship. This morning we're going to talk about our attitude towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. That, 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 that attitude that we should have, that adjustment that we should have towards the people that are sitting in this room right now and those that are sitting in other churches and other congregations around the world of the body of Christ. And Lord willing, the next time I have the opportunity to speak on Sunday morning, we're going to have our attitude towards those that are outside the, the body of Christ. What kind of attitude should we have towards them? What should we do for them and how we should feel uh, about them? But this morning is, is, is going to be a, a lesson on attitude adjustment, our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the body of Christ. That there's some things that I have in my life that need to be adjusted. When I think about my attitude towards my brothers and sisters, what more could I do? The Bible tells us very clearly in Psalms chapter 133, verse 1, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The Bible bears that out, that it is pleasant, it is good for us to dwell in unity. And we're going to talk about unity this morning and what unity means and what it doesn't mean or what I used to think it means or what I think the Bible tells us that it means. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, let brotherly love continue. And if you go look up that word brotherly love, that's a love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And it says, let that love continue. Let that love flow. Let that brotherly love happen all, all the time, just not on Sunday morning or on Wednesday nights. You have that brotherly love, and it should continue constantly. So the Bible bears it out that we should have an attitude of unity, that we should have an attitude of love toward, towards each other. So it is a relationship of putting the needs of your brothers and sisters above your own. That's the adjustment that I want us to make this morning. That many times in my life, it has been very hard for me to think of somebody else's needs above my own because I want what I want. I want what I need. I want to do what I want to do. I want to take care of myself. But for us to have the attitude adjustment this morning, I want us to look at the people to the left or to the right and behind and in front of you and think of their needs above your own. And if we all do that, it will make this cycle of unity and this cycle of love that we should have as a family in Christ. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul speaking, beseech you or beg you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, as, as, as Riley read that scripture, which we're going to get to that later, he said he's reading from the New King James Version. I will now say that I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. So if you have a Bible there, I'll encourage you to follow along as we look at these scriptures here, here together. But the Bible here says, that I beseech you from the calling, those that are in the body of Christ, that you should walk with love and loneliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And we're going to talk about love more later on towards the end of this, of this lesson, how important it is for us to have that unity, have that harmony, have that peace, and it comes from love. But the Bible says, bearing with, uh, bearing with one another in love. If you have a King James Version Bible there, it says forbearing one another. If you look at that word forbearing, one another, it says to put up with. That's what the Bible here is saying. Say, not only should you have lowliness and gentleness and be long-serving, but you should put up with each other. It says that way you can keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace because we are humans, and guess what? Sometimes we're going to get on somebody's nerves. We're going to do something that somebody doesn't like or that somebody, that's something that somebody doesn't want. And the Bible says you should put up with each other and put up with each other because you love each other. That's a family, is it not? That's how my family works. That sometimes my family will do things and say things to me, and I'm like, mm, I don't really like that. But what should I do? I should put up with it and bear with them because I love them. And that's how we should be in this building, in this place, in this congregation. That we should keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So we're going to talk about unity, and we're going to talk about peace a lot this morning. So here's three things that I think we should do that will help us think about that attitude adjustment is unity, harmony, and peace. If we strive to have these three things, we're going to find ourselves putting somebody else's needs or somebody else's wants above our own. That unity there is something that we're going to talk about a lot. A harmony, these, the word harmony is not in any of these scriptures, or these verses that we're going to be reading, but we understand what harmony was. We want that harmony. We want that same mind, that at one is that like-mindedness. And also peace. Peace is something that we definitely want. We don't want strife. We don't want arguing. We don't want bickering. We want peace with each other. Because if you have peace, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But there's some things that can get in the way of unity. And there's some things that can get in the way of harmony. And some things that can get in the way of peace. And we're going to also look at those things this morning as well and see if we have those things in ourselves and how we can purge those things or put those things away. That unity, harmony, and peace, it's like a family. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15 says, For you, brethren, 
have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So here, here the Bible is, is, is saying that you should love one another and serve each other. If you have an attitude of serving someone, you're going to be thinking of their needs above your own because you want to serve them. You want to help those people. And it says there that you should lo- love your neighbor as yourself. And we're going to study that more the, the, the next time I have the opportunity to speak on a Sunday morning. But there's a warning here at the end. It says this is ha- how you should be. You should love each other. You should serve each other. But then it says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. It says beware. These things can happen. We're talking about unity. We're talking about love this morning and how we can have the attitude adjustment. But we can go the opposite way real quick. And we can start nagging on each other we can start biting each other we can start devouring each other taking that verbal knife as i think about it and sticking it in and just kind of twisting it sometimes we say things that we do things that we should not and if we do those things that we're not thinking of the other person if you think of the other person more than yourselves you're not going to do that you're, you're not going to take that verbal knife so to speak of that biting knife and, and, and jab it in So the Bible here also says you need to be careful because if you are going the opposite direction, if you're not caring for each other, you're not loving, you're not serving each other, then this is going to happen. You're going to consume each other. You're going to devour each other. And this body of Christ, this congregation here, will start to crumble. And that's what we don't want. Three things that make that happen is pride, hypocrisy, and self-seeking. That if you are a prideful person, guess what? It's real hard to think of somebody else. You think of yourself. If you're a self-seeking person, if you're a self-loving person, guess what? You think of number one. You don't think of anybody else, and it's very hard. And if you have hypocrisy, that hypocrisy, that's fake. That's phoniness. If you're fake, if you're looking at somebody and saying, I care for you, but you really don't, you're fake, that's helping nobody. And you know, we don't know, but you know yourself and you know your heart, you know whether you're being fake or phony. And it says that that hypocrisy can also get in the way of that unity. Hypocrisy, that phoniness can get in the way of that love, that harmony, and that peace. As I mentioned, it's like a family. And I want to talk about 12 men that were picked out. 12 men that Jesus Christ had talked about. I want us to look at these people and and look at the group of people and look at who Jesus picked. These are the 12 12 apostles or the 12 disciples who became the apostles. And we're going to look at these people for just a minute. That this is a group of very different individuals, just like the group here this morning. That there's people that think a certain way or think another way. There's some people that are family members, some that are not family members. And I want us to focus on these men and see, did they have any problems? Did they ever argue or fight? Did they have some things that they had to work out? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 through 4, it says, Now the names of the twelve apostles are, are these. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of, of, of Alphaeus, and Libius, whose surname is Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These are the twelve apostles. These are the men that Jesus handpicked, so to speak, to start his church to preach the gospel to all creatures, to get things going. That there's Peter and Andrew. Guess what? They're related. They're brothers. There's James and John. Guess what? They're, they're related. They're, they're brothers. Do you think brothers ever argued with each other? If you have a brother, you know 
that you're going to argue with that person. That there was probably some arguing, and, and they were fishermen. They were in, in, in business together. You think when they were a, out on the boat kind of fishing, they didn't argue or have disputes about what should be done? I'm sure they did. There's also some people there who are, are not brothers. There's Judas Iscariot, who we're not going to talk about a lot this morning, but we understand that he had a greed problem, right? Wasn't he the one that was dipping his hand in the money bag and taking some things? These men had problems. These men were human beings, and they had issues that they had to deal with. But they were able to get through those issues as we read in Acts and go throughout and preach that gospel to every creature. But they're a group of people that, to me, I bet they didn't get along. And if you look, there's many times in scriptures that they disputed with each other. They argued with each other about things. So that happens. One of the things I want to really point out is these two people, Matthew the tax collector and Simon the Canaanite. If you look in the King James Version says Matthew the publican. If you can remember any other verses or scriptures that we've talked about on publicans, you know that they weren't very liked. They weren't the, the go-to guys. Oh, I'm going to have a publican come eat at my house. That didn't really happen. And then Simon the Canaanite, who was also called, um, excuse me, the zealot. If, if you look in, in Luke chapter 6, verses through, 13 through 16, there's just another listing of, of these people. And I want us to point out that he was also called the zealot. If you look up what that means, that Canaanite, if you look at what that means, that zealot, that's somebody who is, is, is really wanting Jewish political independence. They are in complete opposition of the Roman people. The Roman government that was there controlling the Jewish people, someone who is a zealot, someone who is a part of that political party, so to speak, does not want that. They want them overthrown. They don't want anything to do with the Roman government. And then, if you recall, Matthew is a tax collector. So you know what Matthew is doing? He's working for the Roman government. That's his job. He's going on taking taxes from his brothers and sisters. He's working with the Roman government. Do you think these two men ever kind of was like, I'm not sitting with that guy. I don't want to sit with that guy at the table. These are two opposite people, basically. One of them is working with the Roman government. The other one wants to overthrow the Roman government. Okay. And you might think there's no way these men can get along. You know what Jesus said? He expected them to not only get along, but to love each other. And love each other above love that they've already known. So there's many times that I hear people say, I can't get along with that person. They might be a Republican or they might be a Democrat or blah, 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 or all these different views of these personal things. And I cannot get along with that person. Jesus told these two persons probably had a similar problem. Well, you're going to get along and you're going to love each other. And you're going to do what needs to be done for the kingdom of God. So we need to have that same attitude because it's like a family. Looking here in Mark chapter 9, here the Bible says, Then he, speaking of Jesus, came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. So what was happening? Something very simple. Jesus said, What were you guys arguing about? Jesus knew. He said, On the road, these guys were disputing. They were fighting amongst themselves. And he's like, What were you guys having an argument about? So they said, at, at first they kept silent because they're like, oh, Let's not tell Jesus what we were arguing about. He might not like it. And, but they were arguing amongst themselves about who would be the greatest. You know, if someone wants to be the greatest, you know what they have? A pride problem. Maybe a self-seeking problem, right? So did these men have issues? Did they have problems that they had to overcome? Absolutely, just like we do today. But Jesus expected them to 
get over those things and get past those things. And it says, we disputed who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus says, look, if anyone desires to be first, he's going to be last and servant of all. He said, you need to humble yourself. We need harmony and unity and peace here. We don't need arguing. And these people were from different backgrounds, just like a family. You know, when a family comes together, I have my family unit, and then I married Miranda, and then I got a giant dire family, right? Hundreds of people everywhere. No. But they had different things. They thought differently. They did differently. They vacationed differently, or they did all these things that were different, but we had to come together and to get along, right? One of the things that Miranda really taught me is that my problem is I'll, I'll, I'll hold a grudge. If someone upsets me or offends me, it's real hard for me to let that go or to forgive somebody. Miranda's family might kind of do something that kind of irks her and annoys her. She's like, oh, hours later, she's done. It's over. Why? Because that's her family. So you get over that and you push forward because you are a family, because you love each other. And that's what the apostles here, I think, did as they started to go along. Put away those differences. Figure out how to get along. And be at peace. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through, through 10, the Bible says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Uh, Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. There's that word brotherly love again. Let brotherly love do what? Continue. Let it continue. Love your, your brothers and, and, and sisters. That's one of the key things. But it also says here, love without hypocrisy. And what is hypocrisy? Didn't, we, didn't we, we talk about hypocrisy earlier? Hypocrisy is fake. It is phony. And it says let you have love that's not fake. Love that is not phony. And I want to ask you a question because I asked myself this question and realized I have done it. Have you ever told someone that you love them and you didn't really mean it? They said it. You, you just said it back. So, yeah, I, I, I love you too. That's love that's fake. It's phony. That's not the love that we should have for each other. It should be absolutely 100% real. That we should be kindly affectionate to each other. We should love each other and giving preference and honor and preferring each other. So as you look at people, maybe possibly around this room, you need to love them. And I'm not talking about fake, phony love. I'm talking about real love. Because you can love with hypocrisy. That's what the, If you flip that around, it's saying, look, you can love with hypocrisy. You can love as a fake, as a phony. It said, don't do that. Love and cling to what is good and be kindly affectionate one to each other. I want to encourage you to be here this Wednesday night as Brother Ian, the Lord willing, is going to go over here, Romans chapter 12, and he's going to talk about these verses even more. But I just want to point that out, that one of those things that's in Romans 12 is that it's talking about love without hypocrisy and be kindly affectionate, that you should be at unity, you should be at peace and harmony with, uh, with, uh, with each other. James chapter 3 <clears throat> is a big one. James chapter 3 talks about a thing that I believe is a huge, huge problem. James chapter 3, the Bible says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For every envy and self-seeking exists, or for where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. If we're wanting to put someone's needs above ourselves, we cannot be like this. We cannot have envy. We cannot be self-seeking or have self-seeking in our hearts. It should be seeking other people in our hearts. What do they need? If you find yourself jealous of somebody, 
then you've got a problem. You should not be jealous of your brothers and sisters. If you envy them or what they have, that's not, that's not, not good either. It says you should not be self-seeking or self-centered in our heart. And I see this all, all the time. It's probably been that way forever. But I see a lot of self-centered, self-seeking, self-loving people. You see them online. You see them everywhere. It's a thing. They want to have all that attention. They want to be nothing but having that self-seeking in their hearts. And if you do that, confusion and every evil thing are there. We're talking about unity this morning and harmony. You can't do that if you're just self-seeking and loving yourself because there's going to be no more room for anybody else. If you have envy and self-seeking in your heart, your heart's going to be full of that. You need to get that out of the way. Continuing on there in James chapter 3, the Bible says, But the wisdom that is from above... Is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Going back, that self-seeking and that self-envy, where's that from? It's not from God. It's from here. It's that earthly wisdom. It's that sensual, demonic wisdom. We should have the wisdom from above. Saying here that, but that wisdom that is from above, that's what we're studying this morning. We want to look in God's word, which is the wisdom from above, and how do we use it and apply it to our lives? We say that all the time. And it says there that that wisdom that is from above that we should have, that is peace, it is gentle, is willing to yield, and is without hypocrisy. If you want to make sure that you love and that you care for someone without hypocrisy, you need to do it through the lens of God's word. Do it through the, uh, the lens of God and his son, Jesus Christ, and studying his word. And if you do that, that wisdom that is from above is without hypocrisy. And it says the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we should be sowing the fruits of righteousness, especially with our brothers and sisters here in the body of Christ. And it says here that it is sown in peace by those who make peace. Are you a peacemaker? You know, one of the things that really has struck me is that it said that that wisdom from above is willing to yield. You know, sometimes it's really hard for me to yield. And I want to talk about a conversation possibly or just trying to get along with, with, with your brothers and sisters that sometimes someone wants to take that, like I talked about, that, verb, that verbal knife that they want to stick it in you, they want to twist it a little bit, and they want to hurt you with their words or they're just saying something just to make you upset. Have you ever had that happen to you? I'm sure you have. What do you want to do? You want to get your knife out of your back pocket and go to town, don't you? You want to get them back. But it says here, sometimes... We need to be peacemakers, and the peacemaker is someone who swallows that, who is willing to yield to make peace. That sometimes it's better just to keep our mouth shut when it's in those conversations, right? That sometimes we want to make sure that we are peacemakers. Peacemakers is not someone going out and wanting to have an argument, going to somebody and saying, I heard what you did, and just want to argue with those people or just want to get with those people. Peacemakers don't do that. Peacemakers are willing to yield. Peacemakers are willing to swallow their pride Swallow their self-centeredness and think about somebody else. And if you are thinking about someone's needs above yourselves, you're going to keep that verbal knife in your pocket. You're not going to use it. You're going to want to make peace. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, Therefore, if there, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife, excuse me, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own, not only, excuse me, verse 4, let each of you look out 
not only for his own interest, but also on the interest of others. No, these verses here really talk about unity. There's many times that we've talked about unity, we've talked about harmony, and these are the verses that show up. These are the verses that we want to talk about. The Bible says we should have that love, we should have that mercy, that we should be like-minded and having the same cord and the same mind. You know, I used to think that when it had talked about unity, that we should all be exactly the same. Be like a colony of ants or a colony of bees. We all do the same thing. We all think the same thing. We all wear the same thing. We all eat the same thing. And there's many of you out there that eat mayonnaise and sour cream and that kind of stuff, and I cannot do that. I can't. Is that the kind of unity? Is that the kind of, like, thing that we should be talking about? No. The Bible here is saying that you should have the same accord and the same one mind when it talks about God's word, when it talks about the gospel, when it talks about serving Jesus Christ. Not that we're going to have differences on this earth. We're going to have differences. We're all different people. But it's saying here that we should be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, at one mind, talking about God's word and serving God. And it says there, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. That's what we just talked about in James. That, that's, that's like self-seeking. That's someone who is self-centered. And it says, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look, not, not every man on his own interest, but also on the interest of others. So that's, that's one of the key things. And the Bible here says, if you're going to be like-minded, if you're going to take care of somebody, you need to make sure that you are looking out for everybody else. It says, esteem others better than yourselves, above yourselves. It says, look out for somebody else's interest instead of just your own interest. That's someone who is striving to make peace. If you're striving to make peace, you're doing this. If you're striving for unity, if you're striving for harmony, you are someone that is thinking of somebody else, that esteeming somebody else better than yourselves. Because it's not about you, it's about God. It's about Jesus Christ and his church and his glory, and it's about helping each other. So how do you have a relationship of putting the needs of your brothers and sisters above your own? That's what we just talked about, other people's interests, other people's needs. How do you do that? Well, we talked about many of those things, striving to have that wisdom that is from above, striving to be peacemakers, trying to be someone who doesn't just escalate the situation but kind of brings it down, someone who loves. And that's the main thing. If you look at Jesus Christ, many times when his apostles were disputing that family, those people that he picked, one of the things he said, hey, you're supposed to love each other. It's love. Love is the most important thing. And as I was doing this, I put that heart up there. It's not a valentine because I, I think Miranda, one of the girls, is like, it looks like a valentine. It's not a valentine. It's love. That if we are going to have that harmony, if we're going to have that unity, if we're going to have that attitude adjustment, the adjustment of putting somebody's needs above our own, you can't do that without love. Because if you just love yourself, that's all you're going to do. You need to love somebody else. You need to love, we need to love each other more than we love ourselves. And that is what's going to bring us and elevate us to that level of harmony, that level of unity, that level of peace that we should be at. But the Bible says in John chapter 15, verse 12, this is Jesus speaking here, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. John chapter 13 Verse 34 through 35, it says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now Jesus here says, my commandment is love. And he says, a new commandment I give you to love. Was love new? Did people not love before Jesus Christ? I'm, I, know they, I know they did. It's not that love was a brand new concept that these people didn't understand. 
It wasn't that now you need to love, and I'm going to explain to you what love is. Jesus said, I want you to love each other as I have loved you. Jesus is not saying you need to love each other. He's saying, I, you need to take it to a whole nother level. A degree of love where you are always constantly thinking of your brothers and sisters above yourself. You are always thinking about their needs above yourself. Because that's what Jesus was. Jesus laid it all out for everybody. Because Jesus loved us so much that he went to the cross and he died. His blood was spilt for love because he loved us. That's a love that is far above just normal love. Because I love things i love my dog i love things like that but he's saying when it comes to your brothers and sisters when it comes to each other it is a love beyond that it is a love that jesus said that he would lay down his life for his friends do you feel that in this room do you feel that you would lay down your lives for the people sitting next to you that's the kind of love that we should have and if you have that kind of love then you're going to find you're easily putting other people's needs other people's things that they need above your own Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through, through 15, which Riley read for us earlier. The Bible says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you, must, you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is a bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts by which also you were called in one body, and be ye thankful. So here, these verses, many times when I read these verses, if you read all of chapter 3, I always think about how when you become a new Christian, you put off the old man, you put on the new man. That's absolutely right. But when you do that, this is what you should do. Once you put on that new old man, it says, now you should love each other with mercy, kindness, humility, long-suffering. And it says, bearing with one another. It says, now you need to put up with each other. Why? Because you love each other. Because you love each other. And it's easy to kind of put up with those things and be that peacemaker so that we have those good relationships with each other. It says here, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You know, we talk about bonding all, 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 all the time. If I'm spending time with somebody and bonding, even if it's something that's not scriptural over a movie or, or, or riding or, or bicycling or kayaking, I do that because I love those people and I can get along with them and you kind of bond with that. Well, that's how we should be. It said, if you love somebody, that's the bond of perfection. That is a bond that will hold us together through anything. One other thing that Jesus gave his apostles, one other thing that we have as well that is able to help us get along with each other, which is able to help us have that unity and that harmony and that peace that we should have, is that we all have a common task. We all have something that we are all striving to do. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe, observe all things that, that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You know, one of the things that the apostles had was they had the exact same goal. They might have been different people. They, they might have been different people drastically, like Matthew the tax collector or Simon the zealot. They might have been, had that brotherly sibling rivalry, so to speak, but they had a common goal, and that was therefore go and make disciples. We had that exact same goal. If we focus on that, if we think about that, we're going to make sure that we are taking care of each other. Why? Because we're all working towards the same goal. If you do that, you're going to have that attitude adjustment. You're going to have that unity and that peace because we are working together.
to save souls. We are working together for God and his son, Jesus Christ, and his kingdom. Now, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, so that you stand fast in one spirit and one mind, together, striving for the faith of the, of the gospel. That we have that same goal, that we all should be, and we are all working towards that goal. And this is like a team, it's like a family. So if we do that, then we will be a one spirit and one mind and we're working together. So continue to have that goal in your mind and know that the person sitting next to you has the same goal and the person sitting behind you has the same goal, that we are all striving together for the faith of the gospel, that we are all striving together towards that same goal. And we'll have that unity, we'll have that love, we'll have that peace and that harmony. As we close, I want us to read from John chapter 17 as we talk about that adjustment. I hope this morning that as we've gone through this lesson, it's kind of motivated you to do that. It's motivated you to be the peacemaker, motivated you to be the one that brings unity and brings harmony and be a better person, that you would love each other more to a greater degree than you have in the past. One of the things that I hope really motivates us, one of the things that I hope really brings it home is what Jesus said here in John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is a prayer. Jesus is saying a prayer. And at the beginning of that, he's praying for his apostles. He's praying for his disciples there that they would do all these things. But then in verse 20 of John chapter 17, Jesus prays this. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, the, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. You know, one of the things that, really hits home is that if we want to bring people to the feet of Jesus Christ, one of the best ways we can do that is to show that we are at unity, that we love each other, that we have that harmony, that we are together. That's going to bring people in. And Jesus there that they would be at one, that they would be one. That way people would know that they sent me. We believe through what the, the apostle said, where, where it says there that I do not pray for these alone, but I also pray to those who believe on me through their word. That's us. That's those that are coming afterwards. Jesus is praying for us. And that's a great motivator that sometimes when that person that's in this family is possibly trying to jab you a little bit or argue with you a little bit, know that Jesus prayed that I would get along with that person. Jesus prayed that I would have unity with that person. Jesus prayed that I would have peace with that person. Jesus said that I want you to get along I want you to have peace. And if you do that, people are going to know that you serve God and that you serve Jesus Christ. People are going to know that the Father had sent me because of the way we treat each other. It's how people can see Jesus Christ at work here in this place. So as we go about our lives, I hope we have the attitude adjustment. I hope we strive to put people's needs above our own. Why? Because Jesus prayed that we would do so that we would have that unity, that we'd have that peace, that we would have that love, 
that we will swallow that pride, swallow that self-seeking, swallow that hypocrisy, that we will strive together for the gospel, that we will strive together through anything. And one of those things is love, that is that bond of perfection. This morning, if you are not a child of God, if you are not a member of this family, and you, wish to, and you wish to be when we have water here, we are prepared to assist, uh, to assist you in that, that you can be buried with Jesus Christ in baptism and a walk in newness of life and start living that life of love, that life of unity and peace with the body of Christ. If you are a member of the body of Christ and maybe you've had some issues, maybe you've had some problems, maybe you had that hypocrisy, maybe you've had that self-seeking or any of those things that we talked about this morning like pride. If you have those problems, you're not alone. People have had those problems. People may still have those problems. And we can help you pray so you can work through those problems so that we can move forward so we can have that love and that unity and that harmony and that attitude adjustment that we need this morning. If there's anyone of either class, would you please come sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing. <clears throat> Ten.